Black Rock Sermons. We continue our series called Roots. Speaking today is Jeremy Taylor. So Jesus leaves the wilderness, and he had been there for, for 40 days. And for me, I think he was really figuring out who he was, getting firmly kind of that foundation, and that he was going to live for the next three years so differently than what everyone thought. Because everyone thought the Messiah was going to be this person that would save them from the Roman Empire. And so he comes out of the wilderness. And he goes to the synagogue, as was his custom. And he was, this was it. This was his moment to tell everyone who he was. And so for me, I would, if I were Jesus, I would be excited to be like, it's all about the cross. And the rabbi gives him the book of Isaiah. And Jesus picks out a passage that he will read. If I were Jesus, I would pick out Isaiah 53, where it talks about how he's going to suffer, how he's going to die on a cross for my sins. But Jesus, no. He's different. See, the, the, the Jesus that we often think about is that Jesus on the cross. But here, Jesus, he quotes Isaiah 61, a passage that for you and I, we've probably read in Luke 4 over and over and over, but we've never really focused on it. And see, if, if for me, my Christian faith was just wrapped up in Isaiah 53, I would just sit there in church and say, I'm saved. I have it together. I can live my life the way I want. But when Jesus quotes Isaiah 61, it transforms my life. It makes my life here on earth have meaning and have purpose. And it gives me the greatest passion every day to live my life, not for me, but for my world. And this morning we're going to be talking about this idea of how Jesus lived his life. And for my life, how I've been challenged. How my roots have come forth because of what Jesus quotes here in this passage. So if you have your Bible, open to Luke chapter 4. We're going to be starting in verse 16. And before I read it, I want to remind you what he says at the end. After he's read this passage, he says this. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He's saying, what I'm reading here, this is my life. And so he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he, has an, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, and to recover sight for the blind, and to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus here declares his mission. His mission is to restore the world. 
So often we think that, that Jesus came just to die on a cross. And yet Jesus here goes, yes, I came to die on the cross. I came to bring good news that through me you can have eternal life. But I came for so much more. I came for those who are hurting. Those who have been oppressed. And guys, it's all about this issue of sin. Because of sin, Jesus had to come. Both to save us, but also for us to restore the world to the way it was before sin came about. Because that's what Jesus is about. He's not just about our eternity. He's about here and now. And he's saying to us, will you help me as I came to restore the blind, to release the oppressed, to be with those who have been in bondage? I want to help them. That's my mission. For me, when I read this, this is what I get excited about. Yes, I do get excited about knowing that I'm going to go to heaven, but I have today. I have tomorrow, hopefully, where I can be used by God on this earth. And so when we see this, we see that Jesus said, I have come to restore the world. I have come to restore people to their place where they stood before sin existed. And so I challenge you today with these words. Do something. Fix the problem of sin. That's what I'm going to talk about today. We must be a church that does something. That we get up out of our seat every Sunday morning encouraged, challenged to do something with our life to fix the problem of sin around us. I'm a fixer. I'm a person that when I see a problem, I have to fix it. And so for some of you, you might not be wired the same way as me, but I think it all does go back to the idea that in some way we are all called to fix something in this world, in our life. And so today I want to share with you my journey. And my journey has had some different kind of routes to it. But I want to be just truthful with you. And I hope that today you see My passion comes from Luke 4, where Jesus says, this is who I am. And he says later on in throughout scripture, follow me. And so I take that as a challenge to follow Jesus wherever he goes. And so I wanted to share with you my struggles, but how I've overcome them, how I've overcome the, the doubt in my own life that I can actually do some stuff for God. And I hope that it challenges you to do something. To fix the problem of sin. So I have a form of dyslexia. It's not really bad, but it's bad enough that I struggle with it. And so I'm in sixth, I'm sixth grade. I'm in social studies class and I have to give a report on Egypt. Now my dyslexia makes it so that I have a lot of trouble reading. Okay. Especially in public. I get really nervous and I start fumbling over my words, I say things backwards, I'll look at something and read it completely different than what it is on the sheet of paper. And so I'm sixth grade, standing in front of my social studies class, about to give this report on Egypt. I have my note cards, I get through about three of them, and then like the, 
the terror of me mixing up a couple words is there. And I'm like a deer in headlights. And I remember going, this isn't worth it. I don't want to be embarrassed. I drop the note cards. I run out of the room down the hallway. And I go, I am never, ever going to be a public speaker. Ever. God, you can do anything in my life. I will never, ever be a public speaker. I remember that day so vividly. Because I remember that day now going, God, you are so powerful. God, you make it so that in my weakness, I can glorify you. Because guess what? It's not me. It's God. It's God working in my life saying, through me, Jeremy, you can preach. You can stand in front of a church on Sunday morning and preach the gospel. Because it's me working through you. And so the first thing this morning I want you to hear is that when you think it's impossible, that's exactly where God wants you. Because in the impossible, he can work in your life. He can use you as a tool. And so when you think, oh, that problem is too big, or I don't have the skills or talents, or I have this inability to do this, God says, I can use you. I can change you. I can give you the power to make it happen because it's me who's working through you. So fast forward a year. I'm now in seventh grade. And I am lucky enough that my dad's a pastor and I get to go on a trip to Russia. This is right after communism had fallen. And I get to go as a 13-year-old to Russia to present the gospel to the world. And one of the things that I, I... remember about that trip was I was watching a soccer game of just a bunch of kids there playing soccer and they were extremely happy to play. We had brought a soccer ball and they were kicking the ball around and I noticed that they would always be changing shoes and then I realized that not every kid had a pair of shoes and I noticed that when the 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 goalie would kind of when everyone Anyone who would ever play goalie, they would always give up their shoes to someone else so that they could kind of run around and kick the ball. That was my first time I really saw how blessed I was. As an American, what, even though I didn't, I didn't think I had that much in America, I did. And so my heart broke and I said, how can I do something? There's something wrong here. These kids, they should have shoes to wear. That's just a common thing that in my spirit, I said, they should have it. But I'm a 13-year-old. I don't have anything. But God put on my heart, hey, Jeremy, you got a suitcase full of clothes. you got some extra shoes that you brought this year. Leave it. Go back empty-handed. It's a lot easier getting through customs that way. Just go. So I'm a 13-year-old, and I realize how truly blessed I am and how people in the world around me don't have as much as me. But that God wants to use me to do something. And I've carried that image, that story, for the rest of my life. And you see it in Luke 4, where Jesus is concerned about the poor. He's concerned about those that don't have as much. And as I work with the poor all over the world, I see it's a sin issue. That there are people that have put structures and things in place that have made it so that they're poor. The kids I work with, 
They haven't chosen to be poor, but the structure is there. And I'm called to fix it. So then I'm 18. Okay, I've gone on my fifth trip to Russia. I went for five years straight, totally transformed my life. I feel God's calling to ministry. And I don't want to talk about that today at all, about that. The things I'm talking about today are things that aren't in my job description here at church. They're things that God's put on my life as an ordinary Christ follower to say, fix these issues. And so fast forward a bunch to about six years ago, okay? We're at our old church, and for one Sunday morning, I don't know why, I walked outside of our church right before... 1010 service was starting and you guys don't get to experience this but it used to be six years ago that when people walked into church at 1010 about 1015 there was anger anyone know why there was anger it was because of parking it was because our parking lot was so full that people couldn't find a spot they would sit on black rock turnpike forever and i watched people walk into church And they had anger on their face because it hadn't gone the way they wanted. They couldn't find their parking spot. They drove around. In about 1025, I saw people driving in, not finding a parking spot, and then leaving. I don't know if they came back, but that day, my heart broke. For two reasons. One, I saw people coming into our church not in the right attitude to hear God's voice. They came in angry and discouraged. But then I also saw people who were coming in later, who probably had a hard morning, who probably had a hard week, and they were just looking for a simple parking spot, and they couldn't find it, and so they left. And I knew that day that God had a calling on my life. It was a basic calling. It was a very easy calling. Jeremy... Help people find a parking spot so I can reach them. So that I can give them hope and a future. So that the preaching and the worship on Sunday morning goes just past the anger that they have. And so people ask me after I got ordained, why is a pastor in the parking lot? Jeremy, you're now like an official pastor. And I said, it's because... I want people to walk in every Sunday morning with a smile on their face because me or someone else in the parking lot showed them that they mattered. That their walking in the church is important. Because I believe when they get in here, if they have the right attitude, that the preaching, the Holy Spirit's going to work in such a way that they're going to be transformed. And so for me, it's a basic thing on Sunday mornings why I'm in the church parking lot. Because I saw something six years ago that broke my heart. And I'm going to be there every day, every Sunday, because I want to see people come into this church excited. And it starts in just a way of finding a simple parking spot. So what I'm going to talk about, the next two things, are a little bigger A little harder for me. The first couple, leaving a suitcase, 13, my parents bought me new clothes, and it was easy. Okay, parking on Sunday morning, yes, sometimes it's hard, but we figure out a system, and it's good right now. But a couple years ago, I went on a mission trip to New Orleans. And 
I went down there, and this is actually my third trip that I had been on, and I was helping the people rebuild. And you know what? It, it was good for me because I went down there. I saw in America, people need help. I saw devastation. A lot of you have been there with me. An unbelievable kind of way that we were able to serve them. And I would come back, and I would live my life the same way I would always kind of lived. And on this trip, this woman challenged us and said, why are you coming all the way down to New Orleans to help the poor? Why aren't you helping the poor in your own backyard? And so me being this, this great youth pastor, I, I took our whole group and I said, remember the, 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 that woman, what she said? I think some of you need to do something for the poor back home. Some of you need to, to do something maybe in Bridgeport to help those just like we're helping them here. Didn't realize that God was using me in my own life to do something in Bridgeport. And a lot of you know that we run Urban Impact. And that's how it started. Three guys who realized that God had a calling on us. And here's the biggest thing. When I started to know that God had a calling for me to do something in Bridgeport, I had a couple excuses. God, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I have no training in urban ministry. I don't know the issues. I, I don't have the skills or the talent to do this. Okay? It's not for me. God clearly took that away and said, I can use you. Second one was, I, I don't have the time. I'm already doing all this stuff at BlackRock. I'm married. I, I, I got all this, these things that I have to do. And God said, Jeremy, this is important. This is worth not doing some other things in your life. And he revealed a couple things to say, hey, not, not as, as important. I want you to do this. And so when I finally surrendered and said, God, I see you're calling me to fix a problem. God showed up. And he showed up in a way that, that we now have 100 volunteers every single week working with kids and families down there. Two weeks ago, we ran camp for almost 140 kids. Okay, these kids memorized Bible verses. They, 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 they loved it. They were so excited. They were so disappointed the last day going, are you guys coming back next week? One of the things that I did was I asked them to write down their dreams. And they wrote down their dreams. And then I, my, my next sentence there was, I want you to write down how are you going to fulfill those dreams? It's amazing that the school system down there has done a great job to tell every kid go to college. Almost every kid wrote down they want to go to college. But when they actually wrote down how they were going to do that, they have no clue. But that's where I come in. I can fix that problem. I can help them. I can be down there to tutor, to love on them, to say, hey, I want to help you so you can get to college. I want to help you so that you don't have to rely on the system to make it through life. For me, it took a lot to start Urban Impact. I had a lot of doubt. I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think I, could, I had the time. But God showed me, you can do this. I want you to do this. And then lastly, three years ago, I was on a mission trip to... Dominican Republic in Haiti, and we were driving along a road, and as we were driving along this road in Haiti, 
there was a kid running next to our bus. And I had seen this. I had been there a couple times. And as he ran along the bus, he was begging me, because I was sitting in the front seat right at the window, to throw out my empty water bottle. Because what they use down there for toys is these empty water bottles, and they actually make cool little toys out of them. And as he's running, I'm kind of like, okay, I've seen this a lot of times. But all of a sudden, something happens. My son Blake was a couple months old at that time. And in a flash, that kid's face disappeared. And guess whose face showed up? Blake's. And God ripped my heart out. Ripped it out and said, Jeremy, your biological kids are also here in Haiti. And for a year, I wrestled, God, what does this mean for my life? I didn't know. I wrestled with it over and over because I'm going, okay, God, you're showing me these kids down here. I got to treat them like I would treat my own. And it wasn't until an entire year later that we went back and we heard how in this village in Tiroli, there were people without bathrooms. And instantly, when I heard that, that image came back to me and I said, I must do something. Now, at the same time, there was a million things of going, okay, Jeremy, you're doing urban impact, you're doing parking, you have a full-time job, now you have two kids, you can't do this. But again, God took me back to the place of saying, This is a priority. This is something I want you to live your life differently. Fix this problem. How am I, a youth pastor with 15 kids, going to raise money, God? That's $300,000. I can't. There's no way. All the kids come back. We're doing this. Reluctantly, I said, okay, I'll help you. It was reluctance. I was not passionate about it. But as every day followed, God started putting in my spirit, you can do this. I've called you to fix the problems of this world, Jeremy. And I'm going to use you in spite of yourself. So here's the question for you this morning. From Luke 4, Jesus says, I've come to preach. I've come to heal, and I've come to release the oppressed. What's your role? What has God put on your heart? What is it that you are called to fix in this world? We're going through this root series. And you've heard Pastor Steve share about his passion to serve. And about Pastor Dan and his, his passion to be led by the Holy Spirit and just to reach out to people. And we've gone through, and you heard two guys this morning. One who has a passion to preach God's word, and another one just to love people, and he's doing that through Urban Impact. But what are your roots? What is it that God has put on your spirit? And how are you doing with living your life for him to fix those problems? I know some of you are here today, and you're going, Jeremy, I have no clue. I don't know what my roots are. I don't know what I'm passionate about. I struggle. I, I, I know I'm supposed to be doing something for God. I don't know what it is. Here's my encouragement. Start in prayer. 
Wake up every day this week and say, God, reveal your passion for my life. Reveal to me what my life is supposed to be like. What is it that you want me to fix in this world? The prayer team is going to be up here after. I encourage you to come up, have someone pray for you for that. That God will reveal his roots, his passion for your life. Second, maybe you just need to pick up your bulletin. Identify a problem. You guys have your bulletin. Open it up. I'm going to just take you through a different way to read your bulletin. You see, men's weekend. Maybe you're saying, you know what? I'm really busy. I don't have a lot of time. Maybe men's weekend is about you going so that you can help someone else in our congregation. Maybe there's a guy here who goes, I need to connect. I don't have any friends. You're supposed to be on men's weekend to reach him, to love him. Maybe it's starting point. Maybe you have a passion to help people, to know God's word, like Steve Thorne. Steve Thorne loves starting point because he's able to teach people God's word. Maybe you go to Dan today and go, Dan, that's me. Train me to run a starting point class. Maybe it's a community group. Maybe you're reading this totally differently. You're saying, I'm already in a community group. Maybe God's saying to you, you know what? You need to start one in your town. Maybe you need to take that step and you're going, I don't have the training. It's so hard. Guys, it's easy. It's easy because guess what? God will do it with you. And then we've spelled out some real simple ones. Here's four ways where we're saying there is a need. There is a problem. You can fix it very easily. We will provide you everything that you need from kids ministry to student ministry. I can teach you how to park a car or you can help flip a slide in the back. Here are some very easy ways that you can fix some simple problems. You're saying, I don't have the time. I don't have the training. I don't have the skills. Guys, look at my life. I've said those things and I've seen how God, in spite of me, has done some incredible things. Then you flip over to the back. A little harder. You got a stamp trip. You got three of them. Guys, you heard through my testimony, that's where God spoke to me. And he's spoken to so many. Take a stamp trip. There's three great ones. Sign up and say, hey, let me just figure out what God has for me in this world. Finances. We're not making budget. I know for a lot of us on staff, we are lying awake at night going, okay, God, how are we going to do this? How are we going to move into a new building, all this? Here's a simple way. Fix a problem. Give. Maybe give a little more than you've done in the past, but fix the problem. Guys, for all of us, just identify it. Pray and say, God, help me to see it. The third, you have to have the courage to step out. It's enough to kind of pray and identify the problem, but then to actually say, I'm going to fix this problem. I'm going to commit to it. I'm going to do it to the end. That takes a lot of courage. That takes a lot of boldness. But we, the church, we must have that courage We must see that God has put things on our heart and we must live them out. 
There's a scripture that I love. And it's this. It's Ephesians 4.1. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. You have a calling on your life. And it's a calling, just like Jesus' calling, to restore the world in some way. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's one of the things in this, this bulletin today. But you have a calling. Will you live your life worthy of that calling? Will you take the challenge, seeing that you don't have the skills, but that God will do it through you? And then lastly, if you're going, okay, I still don't know what to do, or I don't have the courage, talk to someone. For me, the way I stepped out in so many of these arenas was that I had some people in my life that I went to and I talked to them. I said, how am I going to do this? There are some wise people around you. Don't try to figure your life out, your passion, your roots all by yourself. Find your community group. Call up a pastor this week and say, hey, I want to talk to you about this, this idea that I have. Is this crazy? But talk to someone in your life. The prayer team, again, is going to be up here. They would love to talk and pray with you, give you some guidance. But today, we all have a calling in our life. And I believe that according to Luke 4, just as Jesus had a calling to restore the world to the way it was before sin, we have a calling. We have a calling to live out our faith in such a way that we're fixing the problems around us. So the challenge for you is do something. Fix a problem that you see, whether it's in the church, outside of the church, but use the gifts and talents that God's given you. And God will be honored and he will be praised through you living your life in that way. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for what you've done in my life. Have you taken a a kid in sixth grade with dyslexia And you've transformed his life. And that's only by you and your Holy Spirit. And I thank you for that. Lord, I pray for every person here. Lord, that you will do the same. That you will take their weaknesses, their self-doubts. And Lord, that you will help them to see what they've been made for. What you have a calling on their life for. Lord, I pray that today many people here will step out will take a step, a courageous step, to do something for your kingdom. will do something to fix the problems of sin in this world. Lord, might Black Rock be a place, Lord, where every person who calls this their home is living their faith out, is fixing the problems of the world around them. In Jesus' name, amen.